Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. If you would take your Bible or your phone and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 17. I am so grateful to Mark and Jennifer Babb for their leadership in Celebrate Recovery. Uh, you've heard what Celebrate Recovery is about. I want to encourage you, uh, if, if something, if God just spoke to your heart and said, this is what I need you to do, Thursday night, as Mark said, is the place to be at 6.30. And so I'm grateful to them, grateful to Brent, Brent Babb, I mean, Brent Hawkins, and the rest of the leadership team of Celebrate Recovery for all that they do. Uh, again, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Before we jump into our message today, we're continuing on in our series on the family reunion, looking at Ephesians together. But just got a few other announcements to share, family things to share with you. One, our, our men's ministry here at Willow Ridge Church is going to be putting together a mission trip for November the 7th through the 13th. They're going to be going to Black Mountain Children's Home, the place where we've gone multiple times for, with our students uh, to minister. They're going up there for a work project. So, gentlemen, if this is something that you would like to do, plumbing, electrical, the hurricane that recently came up through actually did some uh, damage as far as trees are concerned, so they're going to be taking care of some trees. If you're interested in being a part of that mission trip, just reach out to Pastor Bo, uh, bo.bradbury at willowridgechurch.com. And uh, sorry, .org, and uh, he'll be glad to get you on that list. Also, any questions you have about that mission trip, he'll be glad to answer that for you. Don't forget to come back tonight uh, for our family time with games and wonderful hot dogs, as well as some homemade ice cream. So if you enjoy making homemade ice cream, you've got that favorite flavor that you have, bring it back tonight. Let us all enjoy those flavors together. So we'll be starting that at four o'clock and we will have a wonderful, wonderful time together. So uh, Bo's not here today, as you can tell. Uh, we look a little bit alike, not so much. <laughs> but uh, COVID has hit their home and uh, on they're actually gonna be on the downside of that this week. He'll be back in the office this week. Uh, so uh, we're grateful that uh, uh, the Lord has cared, uh, cared for his family during this time, uh, but it's been a strange week. Uh, I think the staff would agree with me in saying that uh, this entire week we took phone calls, we took text messages about many of our church family members that are battling with COVID, and many of our church family members, family members who are battling with COVID, some even in the hospital. And so... Uh, it's been, like I said, it's been an, uh, a different kind of week this week uh, as we've uh, gone through this time together. So I want to uh, spend some time in prayer together. I want you to pray for people that you're aware of battling with COVID. I want us to pray for our world and what we're seeing going on in Afghanistan with our servicemen and women and others who are trying to get out. I want us to pray for what's going on in our own community, things that we see going on as well. And so as we, before we dive into God's Word together, would you join me in prayer? Father, we've already sang about your awesomeness. And Lord, we know from being students of your word that you are the great physician, the great healer. But Lord, nothing that goes on in this world, nothing that goes on in our life, you're not aware of. 
And so, Lord, it is your desire always to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us comfort, to walk us through all storms of life. We know in Scripture that nothing in this world is impossible with you. The Lord, if we even have faith the size of a mustard seed, that you will do great and incredible things. And so, Father, those in our church, those in our church family that are dealing with COVID, Father, all over this world as folks battle with this virus, we pray for your healing. We pray for your comfort for family members that go alongside them as well. Lord, we pray for our men and women in the service who are in Afghanistan. We pray for all those who are there, Lord, who fear for their life. We pray for missionaries who are there, Lord, as they struggle. Father, we pray for our community and some of the things that we've seen this past week. Lord, as believers, we need to remind ourselves that, that you are always in our midst that you are always there knowing what's going on, but more importantly, there to minister. And at times, Lord, you use us to minister to those around us. So, Lord, help us not to forget that. Help us to hold on to the hope that we have as believers in you. And Lord, we gather this morning to once again hear your word and be taught your word. And for you, through your Holy Spirit, to speak to us at whatever level it is that we need to hear from you. So, Lord, we thank you that we have this place, this church, to gather in your name and to be in your midst, to be in your presence. And so, Lord, we ask this prayer in your name. Amen. So, if you would, take your Bible, look at Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to be reading verses 17 and following. Then we're going to come back and kind of break that down together. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus as believers, okay, as Christ followers. I think sometimes... We forget that. You know, Paul's not writing a letter to somebody who doesn't know God. In this case, he's writing to people who do know God, who are supposed to know God, who are followers of Christ. He's writing to the church. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I don't know if you've paid much attention to the headings sometimes in the translations that we have, whether it's the ESV, NIV, King James, whatever translation is that you read from God's Word. But at the top of certain sections of God's words that breaks the Scriptures down for us are headings that describe the content for which you're about to read. It's the translators of Scripture's way of kind of giving us some insight on about what we're to read. And here are some of the things that the headings that are throughout different translations covering the passage of Scripture we're reading today. It's the description of the new life. Description of the Christian's walk. Instructions for Christian living. Living as children of light. 
live in holiness. So it's giving you and I, you and I, the idea that this passage that Paul wrote about is telling us how you and I are to live our life in Christ. In 31 years of ministry, I've heard quite often Christ followers ask the question, how do I live the Christian life? The answer is simple. Read God's Word, and you will discover the life that God wants you to live. It really is that simple. Read God's Word. For my own life here in the last month or so, I've been reading through Proverbs. I'm reading back through it now. Every day, whatever the day is, this is the 29th, so I would be reading chapter 29 of Proverbs. And all through Proverbs, God is using Solomon to share his wisdom about how to follow God and his wisdom about how not to follow the world. And no matter what the case is, you discover all aspects of life by reading the book of Proverbs. It's God's way of showing you and I this is the right way to live, the wise way to live, and this is the way not to live, the foolish way to live. It takes a lifelong commitment from you and I to be students of God's Word and to apply God's Word to our life, not simply just reading it, but making sure that you and I are obedient to it, you and I are following it as God's Word. You see, this is an area that Paul is kind of dry, giving us that drive-through answer to that question we ask, how do we live the Christian life? Just in these little bit, this small passage here of verses, he's given us a quick understanding of what you and I need to do to live this Christian life. He's driving home the thought of you and I maturing in our faith and growing in our faith. The big idea is found in verses 22 and 24. That's how Paul sums it up by simply stating to put off your old life and to put on the new self. To put off your old self and to put on the new self. So let's break this down together. The first thing we want to look at is put off your old self. What in the world is Paul saying? What is my old self? My old self is that way I used to live before I ever met Christ as my Lord and Savior. My old self is the way I used to live before I ever came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's the old self. Look with me once again in verse 17. Now this, Paul is saying, now this I say and testify in the Lord. It says, this is not just from me. This is not my words. This, this is from the Lord. This is testifying to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. He used that, kind of that phrase earlier on in Ephesians, walk worthy. And once again, this time he's saying, don't walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So the first thing of the old self that he mentions here is this. The old self keeps in step with the world's way. The old self keeps in step with the world's way. If you remember something else that Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the first part of that, he says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't walk like the Gentiles do. Don't be conformed to this world. Another aspect that we see in this verse is this. The old self has a foolish mind. We're going to talk in a moment what the new self has. But the old self, that self that relies on itself, that self that relies on the world, it has a foolish mindset. It doesn't think the way that God desires for you and I to think. 
Look at verse 18 and 19 as he continues. Paul continues to give us the idea and show to you and I what this old self looks like. They are darkened in their understanding. That's a pretty vivid illustration of what Paul is trying to drive home about a person who doesn't know the Lord. They are darkened in their understanding. So how in the world can they know what you're thinking as a Christian because they don't know what a Christian thinks? They're darkened to the concept of who God is. He goes on to say they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. He's not saying they're ignorant people. He's not saying they're not intelligent. But what he is saying is they don't know the things of God. That old self, that life that you used to live was, was not the way that God would have you to live. It's not the life that God describes in the scriptures. That's why Paul calls it the old life. And as a result of living that old life, what happens is the heart becomes hardened to the things of God. The more a person lives opposite of the truth of God's word, the more their life is turned away from God, the more they, they back away from the things that God wants them to do or even to come to know the Lord. Verse 19 says, they have become callous. I think we all know what callous means if you've worked out in your yard or if you've done anything by having a handle in your hand, you know that over time as you work, you begin to develop calluses. They're around your knuckles or right here on your hand. I need to do a little more work in my yard. I don't feel very many of them. But you know, in our life, when we do the same thing over and over again that doesn't represent God, we become callous to who God is. And that's the visual that Paul is giving you and I. They have become callous and have given themselves up. They've given in to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. A person that decides to continue to live in the old self just gives up. They say, well, what use is it? I'm just going to continue to live this way. The old self has no understanding of God. The old self is ignorant to the things of God. The old self turns its heart against God. The old self gives into his or her own desires. But I love this next part. I love verses 20 and 21. I have followed the Lord for many years. And I don't know how many countless times I have read Ephesians chapter 4. And this section specifically, especially back in the youth minister days. But for some reason, in this moment, as I was preparing for this message, the Lord gave me one of those wow moments. One of those moments that says, David, I, I think you missed this the last time you read this part of Scripture. <laughs> and it's one of those things that just jumped off the pages of God's Word. Look at verse 20 with me. After Paul has gone through and saying, this is the old life, this is what the old life looks like, he says, but this is not the way you learned Christ. Remember, he's talking to believers in the church in Ephesus. He says, this is not the way you learned Christ. And this is what really got my attention, assuming that you have heard about him. 
Now again, these are believers that Paul is sending this letter to, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. How many times have I I've just gone past that and not held on to that moment? You see, a Christ follower has a learned relationship with Jesus Christ. Before I met my wife, Trish, she's not in here this morning. She's actually uh, helping with babies this morning. But before she and I ever met each other and started dating, I knew about her. I had knowledge of who she was. But then as we began to date, and then 26 years later, as long as we've been married together, I am still learning about my wife, Trish. You see, I can have knowledge about who Christ is. I can have knowledge about who God is. But what Paul is saying here is says, learn knowledge is this. You have knowledge along with interaction. You have knowledge along with engagement. It's not knowledge that I know about Christ from what I've read in Scripture, but it's the knowledge that I have learned about Christ because I walk with him daily. I am in relationship with Christ. And so when my life intersects with God's Word, there's something that is happening. There's something that's going on. I am choosing either be obedient to God's Word or I'm choosing to be disobedient. And I learn about who Christ is in that moment. Is something deeper that Paul is saying. Not just knowledge, but engagement, relationship. If we're just to gain knowledge through reading, what good is that? That's not what God desires for your life and for my life. God desires for that knowledge of Scripture to, to bring us into relationship with him, to continue to mold and shape us into the image that God desires for your life and for my life. Then Paul asked the question, have you heard about Jesus Christ? Have you been in the church of Ephesus all this time and you don't even know the name of Jesus? I mean, that's a very strong question that he, he, he throws in there. Have you heard about Jesus Christ? So when you and I read this part of Scripture, you and I have to ask ourselves the same question. Have we heard about Jesus Christ? What does that mean to your life? What does that mean to my life? And then another interesting question that he asked, have you allowed yourself to be taught about Jesus Christ? Have you been taught? Now this caused me to think about this a little more. And it's this. Every Sunday within a stone's throw, you and I could go to any church that we want to. Willow Ridge Church or any church around. If we go to any state along the East Coast and other areas, we could find a church probably at the same hour that we're used to here, no matter where we go. At any time, we could look at our phone and learn things about God through podcasts. Maybe there's other things that we do by engaging in Bible study. The important thing is, what are you and I doing to be taught Jesus Christ? You and I have to position ourselves to be taught. I applaud you for being here this morning. As Moses shared in the welcome, you could be anywhere this morning. You could be flipping over right now in your bed on the other side. You could be watching TV. You could be out playing golf. You could be out on the lake. You could be doing anything 
but you chose to be in worship this morning. And one of the things about when we gather together to worship, we're taught the Word of God. But you can also position yourself to be with a group of people learning God's Word together. We call that Bible study. We call that small group around here. We call that family group, gathering together with others to learn God's Word. But I think one of the most important things that you and I can do in our relationship with God is to spend time with God daily. Position yourself to be in the Word of God, you and God, on a regular daily basis. It's important that you and I position ourselves to be taught about Jesus Christ. If you're only allowing one hour a week on a Sunday to position yourself to be taught God, you're going to be elementary in your understanding of who God is. Paul also talks about that. He says, we've got to be growing in our faith. We've got to be growing in our understanding. That's why you and I got to engage with God on a regular and daily basis. We also see in this passage, a Christ follower knows that truth is found in Jesus Christ. Truth is found in Jesus Christ. That phrase right there that Paul writes is so important. You and I live today in a, in a time where folks just really don't understand what truth is. The idea that my truth is my truth, where does that come from? <laughs> Over 20-something years ago, there was this man by the name of Josh McDowell. And Josh McDowell focused his life work, God's purpose that he gave him on students around, around the country. And he writing about the thought that if we as believers don't stand firm on the truth of God's word, then years later, we're going to be in this mess. That was 20 plus years ago. And as I hear people talk today, even believers talk about your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. I'm like, well, time out, wait a second. As believers of God and God's word, there is one truth. There is an absolute truth that's in God's word. It can't be ambiguous. It can't be cloudy. It can't be formed with other truths. No, it's God's truth. It's God's word. And that's what sets you and I apart as believers from the rest of the world is we have God's truth and we got to be grounded in God's truth. There are things that happen in our world around us that are not evident of who God is. And we have to be different. If we're not different, then who will someone turn to when they need God? Let me say that again. If you and I are not different, if we're not walking with the Lord, when somebody needs the Lord in that moment in their life, who are they going to turn to? They don't want to turn to somebody that looks just like them, talks like them, acts like them, plays like them. They want somebody who they can look at and say, they must be a follower of Christ. And Paul is saying this in this midst. He says, you got to be different. That self can't live any longer. That new self has to be evident. This past week, I did a funeral with, with Jackie. Jackie Branham. Many of you know Jackie. Jackie has been a part of Willow Ridge for many years. Uh, we've actually done a few funerals together, sad to say. But I have heard Jackie ask this question several times in funerals. Do you know that you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Do you know that you know that you know 
that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Do you know that your eternity will be in heaven in God's presence? You see, verses 20 and 21 is Paul's way of asking you that question. Do you know? It was Paul's way of asking the believers in Ephesus, do you know? Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, my identity is with Jesus Christ. That's who I am. That old life I had, it was crucified when Christ was crucified. That new life I have, I now live in the faith. In this flesh, I live in the faith in the Son of God. That is my identity. Thankfully, Paul didn't stop there in verses 22 through 24. Now he gives you and I that picture of what it means to put on the new self. You see, wouldn't it be sad if Paul said, hey, this old life, you don't need to live that anymore. You need to make sure that you know who you are. Wouldn't it be sad if he stopped right there and said, oh, Paul, it's like you bring me to the buffet and then you don't let me eat. There's something wrong with that. You know, I, I got to have something more. And Paul does that. He describes to you and I what that new self is like that we're to put on. Verse 22, to put off your old self. Once again, he describes what that is, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. He says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The new self puts off the old self. Our struggle, our battle that you and I will have is wanting to pick up that old self. Wanting to go to the closet and get in those old clothes, those old relationships and, and try to put it back on. And, but God's word tells you and I, no, don't do that. Put it off and put on the new self. Put on the likeness of Christ. The new self renews his or her mind in God. That's what Paul tells you and I, that we're to renew our mind. Think about it for a moment. When you make decisions in life, where do those decisions originate from? They come from the thoughts and desires of your mind. They come from whatever you filled your mind with day in and day out. That's where it all starts. You just don't go out and react and have an action without it processing in your mind it needs to be renewed. Your mind needs to be renewed. The other part of Romans 12, 2 that we read earlier is this, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. If you and I are going to understand what it means to have this new self, if you and I are going to understand what it means to walk in relationship with God, you and I have to understand the idea of what it means to renew our minds. Our minds can only be renewed when we're spending time in God's Word. Our minds can be renewed when we're spending time in Bible study and conversation with other believers. Our minds can be renewed when we're worshiping together in God in song and in reading of God's Word together. Again, it's why it's so important for you and I to spend time in God's Word on a daily and regular basis. 
Because in God's Word, God is renewing. Through His Holy Spirit, He's renewing our mind. He's resetting our mind on Him and not on the things of this world. The new self is reminded that he or she is created in the likeness of God. That's the other part of the understanding. If I am a believer, a Christ follower, then my identity is in Christ. Therefore, I am a child of God. I am an heir of God. That gives me a total different concept of who I am. The new self is represented by God's righteousness and holiness. We are set apart because we don't respond to life the way a non-believer responds to life. When we face hardship, our go-to is to face it with God. Now, that's the battle of the old self and the new self. What God desires for you and I to do is to face it in relationship with Him. Look with me at 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 13 and 17, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. As believers, God has set you and I apart in his holiness and in his righteousness. The last thing, the new self exists in the presence of God. The new self exists in the presence of God. That's what makes life for you and I different. When you're in the presence of God, you don't want to be in the presence of anything else. You don't want to be in the presence of sin when you've experienced what it's like to be in the presence of God. Last Sunday, the praise band was up here preparing and practicing for worship. And I was back in the back, setting some stuff out on the table. And all of a sudden in that moment, as they were playing, my heart began to worship. And in that moment, God simply said those words to me, David, it's a whole lot better being in my presence than being in the presence of anything else. David, it's a whole lot better living in my presence than living in the presence of sin. I had no clue that God was going to place me here in front of you this morning to share. But what God did seven days ago to remind me of how important it is for you and I to be in the presence of God daily. But we've made that hard And here's how I think we've made it hard to be in the presence of God on a regular basis. We've made it hard because our schedules constantly squeeze God's presence out. Our schedules constantly squeeze God's presence out. I can look at my week and go, man, I got a lot of things to accomplish today. Lord, can I set my word aside, your word aside, and and, and get back with it tomorrow? Lord, I need to accomplish this. How about you and I get together in a few days? You see, our schedules begin to dictate how we're going to spend our time, and I get that. But a lot of times, you and I, as faithful followers of God, we begin to say, God, we'll get to you later. And so that's one of Satan's easy ways. He may not throw 
things out there that we consider big sins, but he's going to slide a busy schedule in. And maybe that busy schedule causes you on a Sunday morning to say, you know, I'll go to church next Sunday. Or maybe that busy schedule say, you know, I've hit it hard this week. You know, I don't, I don't really have time to, to go and meet with my men's group or my women's group or my family group because I'm just so busy. And Satan's setting off in the distance going, I've won again. You see, that's one of the things that Satan do. If he can make his, if, if Satan can make God's believers busy, it squeezes out the presence of God in our lives. Here's a challenge that I want to give to you this week. It's a way of practicing the presence of God. It's a way of starting adding the presence of God back to, into your life. All of us are familiar with reading our Bibles and praying and making that a part of our life. But I want to share another aspect with you. Go a week without listening to music or a podcast in your car. Wait a second. Don't be telling me about how I spend my time in my vehicle. But I challenge you to do that. Go a week with not turning your radio or your phone, however you listen to things in your vehicle. Go a week without doing it. About eight years ago, I was preparing to lead a retreat on the spiritual discipline of solitude and silence. And as I read a lot about solitude and silence, because I didn't know a whole lot about it, I knew what silence meant. But the idea of practicing solitude and silence was one of the things I was challenged with, and it was that. Use the time in your car as a retreat. Use the time in your vehicle as a way to shut down with solitude and silence. And so I did it. I did it for months. And it was amazing the blessing that God gave to me. As I was able to process life with God. Because when you just shut everything off and all you hear are car noise, when you just shut everything off, you are allowing God to speak to your heart and mind. I didn't know, I didn't have questions for God. I just, my understanding was shut it off and listen. That's simple enough. I can do that. And so that's my challenge. But not only that, my, my additive to that is this. Add to it by focusing your thoughts on God. Now, Satan's going to do a few things. He's going to throw a schedule at you in that silence, what you got to accomplish that day. Let it come. Let it go. Don't try to deny it. If you're denying it, all you're going to do is spend time thinking about it. <laughs> Just let it pass through. Enjoy that solitude. Enjoy that silence. And let God build off of one day into the next. If you just try it for one day, it's not going to, you're not going to see God's work. Allow some time the entire week to turn off. Just in your car, to turn it off. I know if you listen to Christian music, that's great. If you listen to podcasts about God, that's wonderful. But to get an idea of what solitude and silence is, to practice the presence of God, I want to encourage you to do that. And send your mind towards the thoughts of God. Here's what Philippians 4 verses 8 through 9 tells us. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think 
about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Put off your old self and put on the new self. Lord, thank you for your word. Whether we read it individually, whether we read it corporately, or read it when we're with other believers, your word always speaks. Lord, in those moments that we gather together and you start talking, you start challenging our hearts and you start challenging our mind. And Lord, we know from your word that it is there to give us instruction how to live our life with you, but, to all of us to give, but also to give us instruction on how to live our life with others. Father, help us not to stumble through this life wondering what we're to do because right there within your word, we see our old ways and we see the new ways in which you just live. Father, I know the struggle to live life our way is real. I know the struggle with sin is real. And I know Satan doesn't make it easier on our lives because the last thing he wants us to do is live in full and meaningful relationship with you. Lord, whatever our struggles are in life, help us to know that you're there to walk with us in the midst of those struggles. That Lord, you, would also, you have also given us as fellow followers of Christ to walk alongside one another, to carry those burdens, to be ears that listen to pain and worry, but also to be a voice that speaks your truth in the midst of those pains and worries and decisions of life. Lord, no matter what stage we are in our understanding and relationship with you, Lord, may we continue to press in to drawing close to you, knowing that you will draw close to us. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for all that you do. We ask this prayer in your name. Amen. I don't know what you're going through in life. I don't know what you're dealing through in life. Part of our prayer team, Tim Rice and Maggie Rice, are here down front. I'll be in the back corner back there. And if you don't know that you're a follower of Christ and you need to solidify that in your mind, we would love to have that conversation with you. Maybe there's some struggles that you've been facing this week or month, and you just say, man, i, I got to talk to somebody. We're there to listen to what you've got to say, to pray with you, or to give you guidance, whatever the case might be. Whatever God is prompting in your heart, I just pray and ask that you follow what God's leading is in your heart. Let's continue to worship together. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.